Hey, Don, we were worried about y'all a minute ago. I know, but you're on time, brother. You're good. I know if he's not here, something's wrong. Okay? Good to see many of you um, this morning uh, for the first time in a while, and it's Christmas. We um, have got a strange year behind us, right? And it's going to be a strange Christmas for many of us um, trying to stay apart and still hug each other. It's not easy to do. But that's what we're going to try to do this year. Uh, Gail and I are going today to a couple of daughters' homes for Christmas. And then uh, we leave Thursday to go to another daughter's house for Christmas. We had Christmas with my son, our son, last uh, weekend. So... Uh, we don't get to be together. I noticed in some of the songs that we just sang some words about joy, if always associated with Christmas, and another word we sang was hope. And so that's what I want to talk to you today is about hope. And we're going to look at a story that's after Christmas, not long, about eight days, but it's about hope. And that's what I wanted to say. I would think right now we need some of that. Amen. Uh, we need a biblical hope in our life. We need uh, to have some positive things in our, uh, our life right now. We all need that hope. We need a hope of tomorrow. We need hope for our grandkids. We need hope for our kids. You notice what order I put that in, right? Grandkids and then kids. We need hope uh, for friendships and relationships. We need hope for our health to hold up. I need hope that my, our jobs would be established and they, they would be uh, there. We need hope for our young people's education. This has been a strange year for students being at home learning, being at school learning, in between and and what we're finding out, it doesn't work very well from home. At least that's what I've been being told. We need hope for that. We need hope for all kinds of things in our life. But let me say this. At their best, all of those things I mentioned are still uncertain. And the reason why is because there's disease. There's early death. There's child abusers. There's terrorism. There are economic woes that might come our way. At our best, all these things we hope for are uncertain. When I meet an old person, and when I say old, older than me, okay? When I meet someone older than me and their life is still positive and they're still got hope. I, I take notice of people like that. I, I feel like I could learn something from someone who's at the end of this earthly life, but they still have hope. Amen. I, I want to know that reason. I want to know what that's about. So today we're going to read about a man just like that at the end of his life, but he still finds hope. So let's stand together and read Luke chapter 2. We're going to be in Luke 2 again, chapter 2, begin in verse 21. All 
Right? Let me read and you follow along with me. It says here, And when eight days were completed before his circumcision, the name or his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses was completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what was in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he, being Simeon, took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, thou dost let thy bondservant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people, Israel. Verse 33, And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them, and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul, to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Let's stop there and pray. Father, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for what this story means to us. Thank you for this man that you put in the Bible that we could learn about hope and what it means to live in that hope. And Lord, today I pray that every heart here is touched by this man and by the story you tell about him. And I pray, Lord, that you bless each heart and give us that hope at this Christmas time in 2020. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. You know, Simon was an old man. The Bible lets us know that. It says that he was, uh, uh, he could have been very pessimistic. He could have been anxious about the times he was living in, about his age, looking towards his death. But he was not. This man was full of hope, not in the fact that he was going to hold a baby, but in the fact of the baby that he was holding. He was holding God's Christ. He was looking for the promises of God, and he was holding those promises in his hand. I want you to think about Christmas this year in, in, a, in a way that perhaps you don't often think about it. I want you to think about it like this, that God is reaching out to you with his promise of the Christ child. That's what Christmas is, is God reaching to you. It's not about family, even though we say it is. It's not about eating, even though we do a lot of that. It's not about traveling, even though we accomplish that. 
It's about God reaching to you with a promise that he has fulfilled in the Christ. I want you to think about Christmas in that respect. As I mentioned in from your pastor on the back of the bulletin, you might read that if you haven't yet. That's what I want you to gather about Christmas this year. There's some lessons about hope that we can find in these verses. And, and to put them all into one sentence, it's like this. To hope in Christ is to live righteously, expectantly, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. To hope in the Christ is to live righteously. What does that mean to live righteously? Well, look at verse 25. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous. Okay, now you and I know that we don't get to heaven by our own righteousness, but here the Bible describes this man as being righteous. So what would that mean for you and I to be righteous? It means that we have a behavior towards God and towards each other that is lived up by God's standards. God sets a standard for His people to live by, and this guy was doing it. He was a righteous man. He wasn't phony. He wasn't going to church to make somebody else happy. He wasn't curbing his mouth at church, but cutting it loose at work. This guy was genuine. He was a righteous man, living toward God and toward each other, at God's standard of living. That's what it means to be righteous. So you could be righteous. In fact, to hope in Jesus Christ means you will live righteously. You will live a life that is pleasing to God and not for public display only. This man lived quietly and consistently obeying his heavenly Father. Think about it. He was righteous. It also describes him in verse 25 as he was a righteous man and devout. Okay? We want to think those are very similar. They are, but there's some difference in them. And a devout man has to do with someone who is a servant. In fact, it has to do with someone who is careful. So he was a righteous man, but he was also a servant of the Most High. And he was careful in his walk with God. This made him devout, right? He was uh, someone who took his spiritual life very seriously. Now, we believe he was an older man because you don't become righteous and devout by accident. It doesn't just happen that you become a righteous person or even a devout person. It is a lifetime pursuit to have the title placed upon you as a righteous and devout person. Not a young person. Not someone who just stepped into the Christian realm or Christian kingdom is he. But he's someone who's lived his life in relationship with God. And now the title has been placed upon him. He's righteous and he is devout. He cultivated this title in his life. He disciplined himself to be that way. Simeon worked at walking with God. Can you do that? Of course you can. To hope in Christ 
means that you are doing that. Listen to me, church. To hope in Christ, to hope in the Christ, to be your salvation, means that you are living righteously with God, in that right relationship with Him. That you are devout to Him. You are a servant, being careful about your spiritual walk with God. You're the same outside those doors as you are inside this building. Amen? That is someone who's righteous and devout. That's someone who has hope in the Christ that God is presenting to him. I want you to look at verse 29. Simon uses a word that's only used five other times in the Bible. And it's the word Lord. Now Lord, he says. Well, you say, that's all over the Bible. It is translated into English. But that word is a word which is only used five times to describe the Lord God in the entire Bible. And it is a word that Simon or Simeon uses, which means, if we were to define it in English, master or ruler, sovereign. Now, Sovereign's used to describe God, but to use this word Lord that he uses, we get our word despot from it, which means a master or a ruler of the house who is in authority. You might understand it better to describe a father of a home, the master of the home, the ruler of the home, the supreme Authority in the home. The Bible teaches us that should be the man. Amen. He's got to be a spiritual man to be that. If he's not a spiritual man, then mom has to step up if she's spiritual and be that. But biblically, God wants the man to be the supreme ruler, authority in his home. This is the word that Simeon uses to describe God the Father. In other words... He has a high view of God and a humble view of himself. This is key to understanding Simeon and the hope that he had in this Christ. He puts God in a proper position. He puts himself in a proper position. God is high. Simeon is humble. Now, he's living in a time like you and I are living today. And what I mean by that is for 400 years... There has not been a word from God to Israel. 400 years. No prophets, no word. And here's this man who's living in that time and he is righteous and devout. He could have been downward. He could have been pessimistic. He could have been uh, grumbling, but he wasn't. He was a righteous man. You and I live in times like that. We live in a society where our political uh, uh, arena is in turmoil. We live in a society which you and you probably know truth and false, but our society doesn't know it. We live in a society where every man does right in his own eyes, right? We live in a society that is all about me. And all about I and not about God. So Simeon lived in a time very similar to you and I. 
He was righteous and devout. What about you? Do you give up on looking for the Christ to return? He was looking for Him to come. We are looking for Him to return. Have you given up on that? Simeon hasn't, and Simeon didn't. He was righteous and devout. Living righteously is how we walk with God. We comb through this Word to find pearls of great price that we can gather information, we can gather treasures from God's Word. We are slaves to the Most High Lord, as He described Him. God is supreme in our life. That is what it means to live righteously. Now, I said another description of Him. He lived expectantly. Look in verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout and looking for the consolation of Israel. He was looking for Him. Now, what does the word consolation mean as describing Christ? All right? Well, we, get a, we can break that word consolation down to console. Now you understand a little better. To console someone, you go to them and you put your arms around them. You speak to them. You exhort them. You teach them. You appeal to them when you console someone. Now you can see what Jesus is described as the consolation of Israel. He's the one who came to appeal to His people. He's the one who came to put His arms around them. He's the one who came to you in the same fashion. He's reaching to you. He's consoling you. He is something you need to be looking for. For His return, of course. But some of you need to be looking for Him to come the first time in your life. Do you have that? Do you live in hope of the Christ coming? Let me ask you, Christian. Do you live in the hope that God would answer your prayers? Do you live in the hope that Jesus would visit us here on Sunday mornings? Do you live in the hope that every day you wake up and go to work, that He's right beside you? That's the kind of hope we need to have. That's the kind of hope that this old man had. He was looking for that. And he was rewarded, as God will mention to us in just a minute. He did not give up on the Christ coming. Do we give up? 2 Peter chapter 3 says this, Know this of... I'm sorry, know this first of all, that in the last days, hey, we live in those, right? We're living in those. Know this for first. At the last days, mockers will come mocking, following after their own lust, and they will say, where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. Where is He? It's been... 2,000 years, where is He? He's not coming again. But I have hope that He is. And I live in that hope because God made a promise. That was the hope Simeon was living in. Not holding the baby necessarily, but the hope of the promise of God being fulfilled in that baby. 
That is what Simeon was looking for. That's what he was after. So, there's signs all around us. There are signs everywhere that we are living in the end times. Are you looking for Jesus to come? If you live in the hope of the Christ, you will live righteously and you'll live expectantly. Now, if I'm a Christian, or let's say I'm a church member, not necessarily a Christian, and I go to church faithfully and I come and I participate and I do all of that, but I'm really not looking for His return. What does that mean about me? What does that mean for my life? It means that I won't live righteously because I'm not expecting Him to come, at least in my lifetime. I won't live righteously if I don't have that hope. I won't live expectantly if I don't have that hope. So for those of you who live in the hope of His return, it causes you to live righteously. Amen? It causes you to live expectantly looking for Him. And it does one more thing, as I mentioned earlier. Those who hope in the Christ will live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Look in verse 25 again. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. Three times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in those three verses. Let me remind you when this took place. This is before the Holy Spirit was poured out on men on Pentecost that we read about in the book of Acts. But here, in Old Testament times, we read about a man who is walking in and living under the power of the Holy Spirit. How can that be? I believe that Simeon has more of the Holy Spirit in him than many Christians do today who live under the power or influence of the Holy Spirit or the possibility of it. Simeon was walking with God, therefore God was placing His Spirit upon this man. Let me ask you a question. If God removed His Spirit from you, would you even know the difference? If God took His Spirit out of you, would it change your week? Amen, brother. It would. But some of us are wondering. Why? Why are we wondering? Well, because I probably wouldn't do anything different with the Spirit out than I do right now with the Spirit in. I don't pray. I don't read my Bible. I don't go to church every time the doors are open. <laughs> and I don't mean that's a requirement. I'm just telling you, would your life change if God moved His Holy Spirit out? 
You see, it's something that we need. We need to depend. If we're living under the power of the Holy Spirit, and this is what Simeon does by hoping in the Christ, he lives under the Holy Spirit. If that's true for us, then we need to depend upon the Holy Spirit to resist temptation for us. I need to depend upon the Holy Spirit to give me insight into God's Word. He's the one that teaches us. Jesus told us that in John 14 and 16. Jesus is the one who, I mean, the Holy Spirit's the one who teaches us. I need the Holy Spirit to help my attitude when I'm under trial. I need the Holy Spirit to give me wisdom when I need to make a decision. Living in the Holy Spirit is marked by hope in the believer. How do I know that? Here's what Paul wrote in Romans 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Ah, there's more. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're walking in the Holy Spirit, you have that hope. You can't, let me rephrase that. You can have that. Now let's, let's talk about some opposites for a second. Joy Peace and hope. How would we oppose those? Anxiety, depression, and despair. Joy, peace, and hope. Anxiety, depression, and despair. Those are opposites, amen? Those are opposites. So if you're living in the hope of the Christ, He's going to give you, I mean, if you're living in the hope of the Christ, yes, He's going to give you the Holy Spirit to fill you with that hope, and you will have joy, peace, and hope in your life. That doesn't mean you go trouble-free in in your life. It means this. Paul says, may God fill you with joy, peace, and hope in the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you are experiencing right now in your life despair or anxiety about Christmas or even depression, don't take a back seat. What you need to do is pray that God would give you His Holy Spirit. We say, I've already got it, brother. You need a filling of it. You need to be refilled because you've leaked out. You've let things run out of your life and you've let anxiety, depression, and despair overwhelm your joy, peace, and hope. And the Bible says adamantly that you can pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you with that joy, peace, and hope. So don't give up, brother and sister. Pray that God would fill you with His Spirit so that you can have that joy, peace, and hope that comes with Christmas. Amen? Amen. Too much, and you know it well as I do, too much around this time of year, we see so much anguish. We see so much depression. We see so much sorrow. Why? This is the greatest time of the year. And yet we see that it's because we don't ask God to fill us with His Spirit. What would have happened if Simeon would have walked in to the temple without the Spirit? 
He could have become pessimistic. He could have become full of anguish. He would not have noticed the Christ child. I believe when he walked in those room and Mary and Joseph carried that baby in there, the Holy Spirit said, there he is. He wasn't dressed with a crown or a halo like the shepherds saw. They didn't see a crown or a halo. They didn't see purple robes. They saw a little red-faced baby wrapped in cloth. And that's exactly what Simeon saw. But the Holy Spirit said, there he is. That's him. And he went over and he took that baby and he held him up and he proclaimed these things and blessed and praised God. The same can be done for you and I. To hope in Christ is to live righteously, expectantly, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Start asking God for the Spirit, Christian. And He'll fill you with joy, peace, and hope. Those who hope in Christ will see their reward. Let's look in verse 26. All right? And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon not only saw the Christ, he got to hold him. Amen? His hope was fulfilled. He did not speak out with regret. He did not speak out in remorse for the life that he had been living or had to live. He was not looking backwards. He was looking forward. He had no bitterness in him. He was blessing God for the hope that God had fulfilled a promise to Simeon. And he did through the Holy Spirit. Now, what are some things that we will be rewarded with if we are hoping in Christ? Number one, we'll have an understanding of the things of God. Right? Who teaches us? The Holy Spirit. If I am hoping in Christ and being filled with the Spirit, I'm going to understand the things of God. I'm going to understand things that others do not know or others do not see because they do not have that. This man was unique in his stability to live in the times that he was living in. Think about it. Herod, the king, had to go to the scribes to say, where is the Christ child going to be born? The scribes went to the scriptures and found in the Old Testament that he would be born in Bethlehem. They missed all of the facts of the story. They knew the scripture, but they missed the evidence of the Christ, the promise of the Christ, the proof of the Christ. Right? God revealed this great mystery and great story to the shepherds. And then, behold, He reveals it to this old man. If you walk with God in the Holy Spirit, He will open your eyes to spiritual things that other people don't see. You see that? You will know things of the Bible that others fail to know. How could this man possibly know that this little boy was going to be opposed when he grew up? Unless God revealed it to him. How did this man know that Jesus was going to be for the fall and the rise of many people in Israel? How did that old man know that? How did this old man know that Mary was going to be in anguish over her son? How did he know that? The Spirit revealed it to him. How did Simeon know that people would stumble over Jesus and some would be saved over Jesus? 
Even the disciples were not aware of the opposition that was coming to this child when they met him 30 years later. You see that? Why? They were not filled with the Spirit. They did not have the Spirit upon them at that time. How did Simeon know that this child would be a light for the Gentiles? Because God rewarded him and his faithfulness by revealing to him spiritual things. And that's what you and I can experience as well. Number two, we can also be rewarded with the fulfillment of godly desires. Look in verse 29. Now, Lord, thou dost let thy bondservant depart in peace according to thy word, for my eyes have seen thy salvation. Wow, that's awesome. He saw Jesus. He saw the salvation of God and he knew who it was. He was aware fully that this was God's promise revealed to him. The same as the shepherds. We read last week, right? The shepherds, what did they do after they saw Jesus? They went back. They went back to their job. They went back to whatever they did and they proclaimed what they had seen and heard. What a great testimony for you and I to follow Similar to these shepherds, the Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon, this is the child. Go hold him. Pick him up. And guess what? He did that, and his godly desires were fulfilled in that moment. How long had he been looking for this Christ child? His whole life. Exactly, Beth. His whole life he'd been looking for this moment. And God fulfilled it for him. Let me read you some scriptures uh, from the Old Testament. Who gets their desires or godly desires fulfilled? Proverbs 10, 24 says this. What the wicked fear will come upon him. And the desire of the righteous will be granted. Psalm 34 says this. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger. But they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Psalm 37, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 84, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. You see, God desires to fulfill your godly desire. That's His wish. That's His promise to you that He would do such a thing. Now, mind you, He won't fulfill your selfish desires. He won't fulfill your desires. He'll fulfill your godly desires. Notice in those four verses that I read, who got their desires fulfilled? Proverbs 10, the righteous. The righteous got his desire fulfilled. Psalm 34, those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. Proverbs 37, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you. Proverbs, I mean Psalms 84, for the Lord is a sun and a shield and He gives all that is good to those who walk uprightly. So there's some things that you and I have to do 
in order to receive these godly desires fulfilled in our life. We need to walk uprightly. We need to live expectantly. We need to live righteously. And we need to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Our focus as Christian people should be on God's glory and God's kingdom. If I'm focusing on my kingdom, I'm going to be sorely disappointed. Focus on His kingdom and the rest will fall into place. Amen. So, as following Christ in this hope that we have on Him, we understand the things of God. We have our godly desires fulfilled. And one more thing. We are readied for death. Okay? Look at verse 29. Now, Lord, Thou dost let Thy bondservant depart in peace according to Thy word. This is almost similar to the story perhaps of a guard being relieved of his post. He's been standing and watching all of his life. And now God is going to relieve him and bring him home. He's going home because he has seen God's promise fulfilled. Let me say this to you, church. You are not ready to die until you see him too. You are not ready to die until you see Jesus. And I don't mean literally, of course. You must see him as Simeon saw him. Not as the child he was holding, but who he was. He was the Christ. He was the Savior of the world. You must see Him as Lord of your life and Savior as the world before you face death yourself. You must see Him as this before the sting of death is removed from you. Our focus on Jesus in heaven will shape our everyday living in this world. Amen? Our focus on Jesus will shape the way that we live today. If Christ is your salvation, then you can have hope no matter what kind of suffering you're experiencing right now. No matter how much you're grieving right now, if Christ is your hope, you can have relief from that suffering, from that grieving. You can be relieved of the overwhelming circumstances that you have in your life because Christ is your salvation. He has won the victory for us. This hope causes you to live righteously, expectantly, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. The next time you're depressed, the next time you're in despair or you're worried, stop in your tracks and lift up a prayer to God saying, God, fill me with your Spirit right now. Fill me with the hope that I need right now. And He will do it. He did it for this old man. He'll certainly do it for you. Let's pray together. Father, I pray right now as we near the time of this Christmas season, and I know this room is full of people and that there are many here, Lord, who are even struggling with the idea of Christmas, with family and circumstances and shopping and eating and all the preparation. Lord, please wipe that from us right now. Let us see the hope that is in Christ, that you fulfilled the promise to each and every one of us that you're reaching out to us through this child that came 2,000 years ago. You fulfilled the promise to everyone in this room that you would not leave us or forsake us you would reach to us. Help us to respond properly to that, Father. Help us to see this Christ child as you coming to love us, 
to show us the way and to provide the way for us to have that relationship with you that we desperately need. Lord, please let Christmas be different this year, not because of a virus, but because of the way we see it and because of the way we tell about it, because of those that we tell the story of the reason for the Christ child coming to reach down to us or fulfill your purpose in our life, in our families, our homes. Lord, let Christmas be the greatest Christmas ever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you